0: Welcome to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. Is NATO in a state of panic? The West is losing its Ukraine proxy war on Russia. The more the West helps Ukraine, the smaller Ukraine becomes. All the West's money, sanctions and military aid appear to change nothing. This is why the situation is now so very dangerous. cross-talking NATO's war. I'm joined by my guest, Daniel McAdams in Lake Jackson. He's the executive director of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. In London, we cross to Adriel Consanta. He is the founder of AK Consulting and a foreign affairs analyst. And in St. Petersburg, we cross to Alexander Atom. He is a senior lecturer at St. Petersburg State Institute of Technology. All right, gentlemen, cross-talk rules in effect. That means you can jump anytime you want, and I always appreciate it. Daniel, let me go to you first here. I started off by saying, is NATO in a state of panic? Because that's the only conclusion I can Draw, reading all the headlines. Um, it, obviously, you know, whatever it takes, we hear that all the time. And then in the in the post in the last uh, Washington Post last news cycle, a senior Biden administration official apparently said, quote, we will continue to try to impress upon them, the Ukrainians, that we can't do anything and everything forever. So what what is the met- uh, ammo is running out? Uh, they're going to jack up production 500 percent over the next couple of years years uh, is that going to be in play in years from now what I, i'm not what is the message here because stoltenberg is leaving he's probably very happy to be leaving his position at nato because it's all caving in on them right now daniel what are your thoughts
1: it's been a mountain of lies from the very beginning and the problem is when you start believing your own lies, which they've done that's when you don't make good foreign policy decisions and that's what we've seen throughout this entire time yes i think desperation is taking hold we saw it with the tank debacle uh where Olaf Scholz who does not have a backbone whatsoever uh says well I'm not going to give any leopard 2s until the Americans uh, give some uh, some tanks as well and the Americans said okay we'll give them and then Scholz said okay then we'll give ours as well and the US said yeah but in the future <laughs> and now they're getting some crappy leopard 1 tanks that are not very good they're they're from the 1950s or 60s uh they're throwing everything they can in a last desperate move they want to throw fighters into the mix It takes 36 months to train a fighter pilot. I don't think we're going to be talking about this war in 36 months from the way things appear to be going right now. Desperation, but I'm glad you used the word dangerous in your opening, because in a desperation situation, that's when these guys become dangerous, because they don't know the meaning of an off-ramp, of an exit ramp. They don't know the meaning of reverse. They're going to know it soon, but I I suspect between now and then there will be a lot of danger.
0: I don't know, your your thoughts as well, because I'm glad that Daniel picked up on it, because this is the most dangerous time, because the West has basically emptied its its pockets, its arsenals. It obviously has no ideas that are are worth listening to. And that's when uh, hegemony kicks in, because they're not going to give up on it easy. And this mantra going from academia, Timothy Snyder and the rest of them, you know, I mean, they're talking about the breakup of Russia when they're losing, NATO is losing its war against Ukraine. They're going into unicorn land. They're, go- they're turning into fanatics. Go ahead, Edrell in London. Uh,
2: well, I-, I have a certain problem with, with you know, these assumptions that, you know, the-, the-, the main problem with the he- hegemony is, uh, um, you know, that the United States has uh, plenty of stakeholders, especially in the Baltics and the Eastern Europe, who are very um, antagonistic. Um, towards Russia and they are using a declining empire by holding it by its balls, <laughs> literally, and saying that we are, you know, there to go, um, after Russia. I mean, in Poland, there, 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 there's a bill, um, which is stalled in the, in the parliament where, um, you know, the, the, the lawmakers are proposing an abolition for the military soldiers going to Ukraine, fighting in Ukraine. Uh, so, um, I have this problem with, you know this promises made by the empire that the empire will punish russia uh, in the name of the uh, eastern european countries like Lithuania, poland and the baltic states so um um i i, I don't quite understand how the uh, United States can retreat, although we've seen this with Afghanistan, for example. But uh, I, I think that the empire will fall tremendously, and it, it, the, the the conflict between the, the the Eastern European and especially Ukrainian people who are uh, dislocated among uh, many many countries in Europe and the United States as well uh, will last for 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 many 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 years, and it will influence the politics as well. So I have this 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 problem with you know just pulling back after six months or one year, saying that okay we are not pumping this money uh, to to Ukraine and uh, the 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 Zelensky will uh, sit and have a ceasefire. We know from the very beginning that the um uh, Minsk agreements were chutzpah. Uh We know this, so I'm not sure whether uh, people who were planning in 2014 to uh, prepare this war machine um, against Russia will somehow. You know retreat uh also at the same time uh, we we had this conversation before about the balloons, which are distraction uh that the empire is starting an another war or are starting to antagonize another uh super or great power like China. We know what is happening in Iran, so I, I think that the the, the the, the empire, I mean, went from hubris and is, uh, uh very close to, uh, uh, to disaster.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's go to Alexander in St. Petersburg here. Uh, we had a guest on recently, Scott Ritter, and he is a, a former U.N. weapons inspector, and he likes to continue to use the phrase military math. So all the pe- all the Blinkens and uh, all the Victorian Newlands, Jake Sullivan, they can say whatever they want, but they don't talk in terms of military math. Again, this is why it's becoming so very dangerous. Alexander in St. Petersburg, go ahead.
3: I think the main issue isn't so much a panicking. It's probably more that the elites in NATO and in Washington, D.C., at least some portion of them are beginning to realize that this war isn't going to, at the very least, go as easily as they thought, and that, worst for them, um, they won't achieve any of their objectives. So I think that there's a portion of the elites who— are looking at their strategy and realizing finally, after about a year, that they're not going to get what they want. So. What they're instead trying to do, it seems, as was mentioned uh, just now, about these uh, Chinese balloons—there's balloons everywhere over the U.S. all of a sudden, and it's suddenly become a huge national crisis that they all have to be shot down, and uh, it's a grave threat to national security from China. So this is all very clearly manufactured hype on the part of the U.S. media. So you have to ask, who is pushing that? Why would they be pushing that? And so— the conclusion is that part of these people, a group of these people want to pivot away from Ukraine and pivot towards um more aggressive actions against China. China is now the uh leading world power in a certain sense, their economy and uh, their strategic situation is allowing them to have a huge amount of influence on global trade and uh without some support, or at least the acquiescence of China, Russia would not be able to successfully be defending its interests in Ukraine. So uh, I think the strategists in Washington, D.C. are beginning to notice that. And you saw that with the recent uh, RAND Corporation article that came out. So— There's at least a push from some of them. I don't think all of them are on board with giving up in Ukraine. That's pretty clear, because you also have the contradictory statements where sometimes uh, administration will come out and say, "Okay, we're going to send even more money, even more weapons. And then you have the other side where some of these uh, strategists are saying, well, well, we maybe shouldn't be sending this much. We maybe shouldn't be investing this much because we have these other objectives that we want to look at.
0: Okay. Well, that's, uh, Alex Jenner brings up really good points there. Obviously within the, in the white house with the administration, there's a growing debate that's becoming quite obvious to all of us watching here. But, but Daniel, it, it doesn't belay the fact that they've got themselves into a trap. See, the whole thing was they trap they trapped the, they made the Russians walk into a trap, but that same trap is a trap against them. How to get out. And there's no way for them to do it mostly because of losing face. But one thing is clear. And I think a lot of people forget this is that the U- U.S. has achieved a major strategic victory here in corralling all of Europe and having the EU uh, take orders from NATO. That is—Washington is one on that one. Daniel?
1: You know, it's like when an old 60s band would get back together after 20 years, you know, and they just really didn't have the same stuff they used to have. This is Blinken and Newland and Sullivan. They're getting the old gang back together again, the old band back together again. They're trying to get in shape for a new tour. They already screwed up uh, Ukraine in 2014, uh, and they, cu- they came back in to try to fix things uh, and finish what they started. We saw from Seymour Hersh, these were the driving powers behind the blowing up of the pipeline. We know the U.S. Be- was behind it. We just didn't know how until Hersh helped us, although he is a conspiracy theorist and no one should listen to him, of course. <clears throat> and he's never gotten a story right in the past. <laughs> uh, but— <clears throat> You know, Victoria Newland warned. She said, "If if if the if the attack starts, the pipeline's going to be blown up." The attack started. The pipeline was blown up, and she went before Congress and said, "We are sure happy that this pipeline was blown up." Uh, but then they said, "Oh, but don't look at us. Uh, we didn't do anything." But you're right. I mean, Europe has been kneecapped. Uh, yep. You have a generation of weak leaders, morally, yep. intellectually. Uh, they have no popular support. People are in the streets in France and in Germany. To the extent they can. And that's despite, despite the propaganda machine, which is extremely heavy. You talk about the intelligence preparation of battlefield. We've had this for four years. We had it for the entire um, Trump administration, four years of Russia zapping our vital blo- bodily fluids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and so people wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> oh, those bastards who took our bodily fluids have now invaded Ukraine. They're right. never going to stop, you know? And so we have all of this coming, but reality has a way of kicking in the door. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah,
0: and I'm glad you made that comment about European elites. They're all interchangeable. It doesn't really matter who's the chancellor of Germany. It doesn't matter who's the prime minister of Estonia. You can switch them around. They're all the same because they're all driven by the same ideology. It's very—and they never think about really geopolitics. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to jump in here. We're going to go to a hard break. And after that hard break, we'll continue our discussion on NATO's war. Stay with RT. Welcome back to Talk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Level. To remind you, we're discussing NATO's war. Let's go back to London. Adriel, you know, I said in my introduction this is a very dangerous time because... NATO is facing absolute utter humiliation. They will not achieve their goals, and this is where this is where they've boxed themselves in. They don't know a way out. I guess they can throw Zelensky under the bus. He'll be under the bus eventually, one way or another, uh, most likely by his own people. But you know, NATO is—it is, was never designed to do this. Okay, it was basically designed as a dinner club, and then they—they they, believe their own propaganda. Um, they, 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 none of the militaries in NATO were designed to fight a conventional war against a peer power, Russia. That's why it's turning into a catastrophe. They believe their own propaganda. Go ahead, Adriel.
2: That's very true. I mean, uh, any any sane person would agree that uh, after the Warsaw Pact was dismantled, NATO should follow the suit and also be dismantled. But nevertheless, they... uh, you know somehow sustained uh the 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 purposes of you know of of still being in 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 i mean still existing uh, by uh meddling in in the eastern europe and and somehow persuading or pushing russia uh to uh to you know to um, denazify Ukraine because we know that they were meddling uh, at, at the border with with russia and th- this was you know pre planned But at the same time, uh, I think that they are mad enough to uh, not go easily to sleep because we've seen and heard from, uh, Mr. Stoltenberg and other G7 members that they are now pivoting to Asia. We know that know. they are in contact, uh, in contact with South, South Korea and Japan. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we should, we should see whether the um, politicians in Asia are crazy enough uh, to, uh, to, to create another, another Ukraine in Asia. Because from what I've heard from my contacts in Indonesia, Indonesia and in, in, in Hong Kong, they are calling a Taiwan a new a Ukraine of Asia. Yeah. And I'm very much worried about the fact. That the um, current prime minister in, in, in Japan, although that he's very low in the polls and 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 he's very unpopular, not as uh, the previous uh, um, prime minister and also the former prime minister is saying that the, Japan is making a grievous mistake when it comes to supporting Ukraine. Uh, but at the same time, we know Japan wants to have a peace pact with with Russia, but they are you know trying to to I mean I mean. To know how to 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 United States and allow the United States to place their missiles uh, to to strike Russia. So this is very complex. Uh, I mean that Zelensky is just a symptom. Uh, we know that if if Zelensky is you know pushed under the bus, a new Zelensky will emerge. So it is not the case of Zelensky, it's the case of the madness of the people uh, in the Western Hemisphere and who yeah. are led by the, the, by, by the lunatics in the United States. So you know, this is the problem.
0: Alexander, you know, one of the th- things that you, that's mentioned a lot uh, coming out of the uh, g- current administration is that give the uh, Ukrainians enough arms to uh, another offensive to claw back as much land as possible so they can sit down and make some kind of deal. It's kind of it's kind of hazy. It's a very uh, inaccurate, but it, it it doesn't address the real problem here. And it's something I have to keep bringing up on this program is that, you know, Russia is not interested in geography. It's interested in security. And when the West starts talking to them about security guarantees that were demanded before the conflict started, publicly known around the world, we're not going to get anywhere. You know, clawing back this district, this village here is not going to make a difference. That's why, again, it's very dangerous because they can only see their own interests as they define them. Nobody else has an interest here. That's what makes it dangerous. Alexander. Alexander.
3: You know, the Biden administration doesn't have any very clearly articulated goals aside from, well, Ukraine should control all of its internationally recognized territory. That's clearly not going to happen. They don't have that capability. They never had that capability. And how they're somehow supposed to retake territory that they already lost is not entirely clear to me or really to anyone, I think. So, you know, we have these people who are saying, OK, we we continue sending more weapons. We continue to send more arms. But uh, even as you mentioned, even if they do make some progress, it doesn't change the status quo. It doesn't change the uh, territorial integrity of Ukraine having been changed. And so they're not going to win anything. It's really an ideological campaign yeah. at this point. It can't really be connected with any real strategic exactly. objectives.
0: Exactly. That is so spot on, because that's the problem. They believe their, the, the, the elites in the West believe their own propaganda. You know, Daniel, one of the another issue that is not being talked about enough is that Ukraine is turning into a failed state or is a failed state right now. And that is not good for anyone, particularly the Ukrainians here. That is, you know, and, and then using Ukrainian troops as cannon fodder is just unconscionable. But here we are. Oh, Daniel.
1: Well, Peter, they're picking guys up at the age of you and I. I've been watching
0: the videos, Daniel. I've been watching yeah. the videos here. Oh. It's horrendous. Keep going, my friend.
1: Yeah, no, I, I tried to go to the gym, but I'm certainly not ready to fight Russia, to be honest with you at my age. Um, it, it, is, it is absolutely incredible. And you're right, a failed state. I think their GDP shrunk by 35 percent. And I think that's only the beginning this past year. Uh, there's no one. There's literally no one left to fight. And I think it shows the deep cynicism of the U.S. and its Western allies that they would, again, as we said from the beginning, fight Russia down to the last Ukrainian. And that appears to be happening. We see the graveyards everywhere in eastern Ukraine, and they continue to grow. There will be no Ukraine left. And in desperation, we see the U.S. winking to Ukraine, well, we're going to give you some long-range missiles to hit Crimea, because the Russians haven't responded to this point. Well, we're just going to guess that they won't respond. And I think uh, Alexander made a good point. I think there is some conflict between the Pentagon and the White House. I think there still are people at the Pentagon that know a little bit about war and that understand a little bit about Russia. And I think they are panicking uh, because they realize, as Scott Ritter, who was at our conference once said, that the White House is writing checks that it cannot cash. And that's what we're seeing happen. I don't know what the end game is. Uh, As you say, there's a pivot toward China. We got our butts kicked by Russia, so let's take on China. That sounds like a good idea. The military-industrial complex, however, is quite happy about this, and they're happy to continue with the gravy train.
0: You know, Adriel, uh, you said um, earlier on a, a previous uh, appearance on Crosstalk about the, the after effect, what's, when, the, when the conflict comes to an end. We have so many refugees right now, um, a failed state in Ukraine, and it, it, the, those problems are not going to go away very for very long. Depending on the outcome of the conflict— Ukraine may have the lowest, you know, lowest interest for people to invest in. I mean, the long term future of Ukraine, whatever size of it it is, is bleak. Adriel.
2: Yes, but we also have to look at this uh, from the demographic point of view and economic point of view that uh, GDP uh, of, of Poland is increasing because of the fact that many Ukrainians are working in Poland and cre- I mean the, the population of, of Poland grew because of the fact that they incorporated people who, uh, f- you know, flew the war in, in Ukraine. At the same time, we have to bear in mind that Germany com- uh, economy is uh, based on immigration and they need skillful immigrants and as uh, it you know it is very clear most of the ukrainian people are students where they are well educated and they are young so they will just you know be incorporated in germany or in poland in order to increase there are several articles and and uh, research articles in the, the economic uh, journal uh, journals saying that because of the the the, the war uh, um, in, in ukraine germany and poland uh, will be uh, the, the the main uh, victors of this war because they will uh, Somehow but Andrew, what about, the, the, what about yeah. Ukraine? What about Ukraine? But, but, but Ukraine doesn't matter. We know this. They are not fighting for sovereignty of this people well-being of this people. They just need numbers. They need people who will be sustaining their economies. They are not, you know, uh, they don't care about human rights. We know that human rights is just a, you know, a, a, a flashy talk for, for the neoliberals in the West. They don't care about these people. They, I mean, this is the propaganda language in order to somehow the consent among the populace. If you go to the TV or to the newspaper and say, "Well, we need to increase the the, the GDP of our country, so that, that's why we need this war in Ukraine," most of the people will be, you know, uh, just, you know, astonished with the, with this fact. But when you somehow portray this war as a war for between uh, democracy and autocracy, and you will portray Russia and President Vladimir Putin as a madman who wants to recreate a Russian empire, then most of the millennials and the Gen Zs will be like, oh, yes, we need to be on board and we support this. But They will never go to, uh, to war and they will never pick up any fight because they are incapable. All they've seen is the Netflix and uh, Xbox. So they never <laughs> seen a real war. But most of the people who are cheering for, for, for war are those type of people, people yeah. incapable to, 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 to manage the suffering of ordinary people. You know,
0: you know, Alexander, if I go to you in St. Petersburg here, um, no matter what the outcome is, you know, if it's for some reason, some miracle Ukraine prevails, the sanctions on Russia won't come to an end. And uh, I tend to believe uh, almost in a 100 percentile that Russia will prevail and get what it wants. But the sanctions will remain. This is a huge breach that's not going to be overcome for generations. Alexander.
3: Well, I'd like to add to the previous comment about Generation Z and uh, younger millennials. I think that the propaganda, if you look at the propaganda that's pro-Ukraine on uh, social media, YouTube, TikTok, it's uh, it's exactly geared towards those younger generations. They show these goofy little images of like uh, these characters from video games beating up on each other, and the character getting beat up the most is is Russia. Or you have cat videos where cats are taking little swings at each other, and uh, the the bad cat is Russia. And this kind of uh, you know, it's just propaganda nonsense. It's quite entertaining, but it obviously creates. a a totally false view of what this war is, what it's about, and what's actually happening on the ground. But it's extremely effective with young people. So you have (coughs) generations in uh, the West and even in Russia to some extent. So young people are seeing this completely, you know, informationless propaganda, and then they support the Ukraine and they support the NATO intervention there. And uh, it's turning... Like, like I mentioned before, this is an ideological war, so right. it makes it very difficult for some actors in the U.S. to put the brakes on this, because you've already got this um, machine moving forward, being pushed by the Democratic Party. You have all of these uh, blue checks on Twitter with their Ukraine flag uh, emojis I know, everywhere. I know a lot
0: about that. I get my de- dose of hate mail, OK? Oh, I know that very well. That's all the time we have. I want to thank my guests in Lake Jackson, London, and in St. Petersburg. And I want to thank our viewers for watching. Watching us here at RT. See you next time. Remember, cross talk rules.